All right. Ready for the word? Yes, You're not sounding like you mean it? Yes, sir. Oh, no, no. We're in church. Are you ready for the word? Yes, sir. Ready for the word? Yes, sir. Oh, somebody says beside you, let's say this together. Our Father. Our Father. And then, oh, no, no, no. Our Father. Our in the name of your son, Jesus, we receive revelation that is found in Christ. There is no confusion. There is no contradictions in this atmosphere. We believe and we receive revelation knowledge. My eyes is open. My ears are open. I can comprehend the mysteries of Christ. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. How faith confession works. Let's finish it up this evening. How faith confession works. We've been on this um, for the past three weeks, I believe. Um, how faith confession works. Mark 11. Mark 11. I was supposed to teach you something else. But I will teach you next Sunday. I have a sermon. I, a special sermon. That I want to teach you. But I will teach you next Sunday. Alright. Look at it in Mark 11 verse 22. It says... And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, That whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, And shall not doubt in his heart, But thou shalt believe that those things which he saith Shall come to pass. He says, He shall have whatsoever he saith. He says, He shall have whatsoever he saith. I say, I have what I say. I have what I say. And not like you mean it. I have what I say. I have what I say. You see, also in Matthew 11, Matthew 21, verse 21, he was talking about the same thing. He says that you should have faith in God. And one of the things we've said in this series, we said faith and unbelief are expressed in words. Faith and unbelief are expressed in words. So the words of a man expresses his faith or his unbelief. The words of a man expresses his faith or unbelief. The words of a man expresses his faith or unbelief. So that is confession. When we say speaking God's word, confession is to say with your heart, with your mouth, sorry. Confession is to say with your mouth what you believe in your heart. Confession is to say with your mouth what you believe with your heart, in your heart. So your words and your mouth must agree. We said in the last couple of three weeks that we've been studying this, we said it's not just enough to speak God's word and say, oh, um, I'm blessed, I'm prosperous, I'm increasing. It's not just enough. Do you believe what you are saying in your heart? That's the question. Do you believe what you are saying in your heart? And we looked at in Romans 10. Let's go back. Let's go to Romans 10. Let's look at Romans 10 carefully. Romans 10. You know, when you come to church, church is a, church is a Bible school. Kenneth Hagin said that um, if churches would do their work effectively, there will be no need for a Bible school. So that shows we've had some misnomer about church. And what's the misnomer? Many a times we come to church to just come and sit down and just look at the preacher, just hear the preacher talking. We don't come to church because we want to learn or because we want to grow spiritually. The main essence of coming to church is your spiritual growth. 
Tell your neighbor, say the main essence of why you are here this evening is your spiritual growth. So that shows you, are, you came here to learn God's word. You came here to be fed God's word. That is why we, 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 we try our best to make sure that you are with your Bibles. Why, why is it that we are not displaying scriptures on the screen? We want you to see it yourself so that we are not being deceived. You can go home, practice what you are being taught. Because a lot of believers come to church on Sunday. They, once they hear the word, they close, it, they close their Bibles, close everything till the next Sunday. That's not good as a believer. You come to church with, an, with a mindset ready to learn, ready to be schooled, ready to be taught God's word. You didn't come to church to be entertained. Tell your neighbor, say, you didn't come to church. You didn't come to church. Not sounding like you mean it. You didn't come to church. To be entertained. To be entertained. That's not why you are here this evening. That's not, that is, that's not why. You came to church this evening because you need to learn God's word. So when you are coming to church, you come to church with your Bibles and your writing materials. That is how a good Christian goes to church. You come to church with your Bibles and your writing material. So you take notes. The Berean Christian, when Mount Dobu and the Thessalonica in Acts 17, he says, because they went at the word and they went back home, searched if it was true. So imagine you didn't take anything down. How would you search if it was true? How would you search if what we are saying is true? So you'll just be deceived. Then you get into that cycle of, oh, Christianity is just boring. Christianity is just, everything is just, eh, all this church thing, I don't understand it. It's because you never sat down to be thought. You never sat down or paid attention to what they are saying. I expect that a good Christian will switch off his phone in this service and not be pressing phone. That's how a good Christian behaves. I expect that a good Christian will not pick a call in service. Because if you are in an interview in a good place or in an atmosphere of God's place, you won't do that. In Genesis 28, it says, Jacob woke up from his dream and says, surely the Lord is in this place and he knew not. And that's the attitude of many Christians today. God is somewhere and they don't know. God is somewhere and they don't know. Because they did not put to practice what they are being taught. So God can be here now, God can be seated with us here, and some people are very oblivious. Because you are probably doing something else, you are probably distracted, you are probably just looking through the Bible, just sitting down, just watching me. No, I want you to be engaged. Are you getting what I'm saying? When we say open the Bible, you check it. Because let me tell you, it is believers that raise lazy pastors. The reason why a pastor will not study very well is because he knows that the people he's coming to talk to on that Sunday morning, will not check anything. They are not, they are not smart spiritually. So he will just come to service, do whatever he wants to do, and go back. So, but imagine, after service like this, you sit back to me, you follow me to my office, and say, sir, I have a question. Hope you know that by the next time I'm coming next Sunday, my head will be correct. How many of you know that? You follow me to the office and say, after service, sir, what you said, I don't seem to get it here. You, did, you, you didn't quote the right scripture. Hope you know that by next Sunday, all my scripture will be, will be on point. I don't, know if you know, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. I'm talking to believers. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yes, so, so it is we believers that raise a lot of lazy pastors. So a lot of pastors just come to the pulpit, just stand, and just do whatever they want to do. They just feel like, oh, 
they don't even know at all. They don't even, they don't care. They are, not ever, they are never going to check their Bibles. They are never going to read it and understand. So, I'll just teach and just do whatever I want to do and go. But no, that's not what we want to do here. Hallelujah. Let's reinvent the wheel. That's not what we want to do here. We want believers who are growing with God's word, studying, ensuring that they are growing and they are seeing the scriptures and understanding it. Hallelujah. So are you that believer? Yes, sir. No, sound like you mean. Yes, sir. Are you that believer? Yes, sir. All right. So we are looking at how faith confession works. Look at in Romans 10. Let's go to Romans 10. Look at Romans 10, verse 8. Look at Romans 10, verse 8. It says... But what saith thee, what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. It says that if thou shalt confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised thee from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It says, for with the heart the man believeth unto, the right, unto righteousness. In that says what? With the mouth, right? Confession is made unto salvation. So that shows the first entrance of you believing the gospel, you believe with your heart, right? Then you now spoke with your mouth. So there is that agreement. So you can't just say what you didn't believe with your heart. So if you say, oh, I believe Jesus. Jesus died for my sins. I'm born again. Do you believe what you are saying in your heart? You know, a lot of rituals that we do in Christianity is that when you want to get somebody to say, you say, when you person say, do you believe gospel Jesus? Say, say after me, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my, come into my, cleanse my soul, cleanse my soul. Do you, the question of, the, the question is this, that person you are saying, say after me, does he believe what he's about to say? It's not about say after me, say after me. That's why you see that that same person that you preached to that said after you, when they called the next daughter call the next week, the person still came out again. Because the person is not sure of what happened to him that day. That's why you see, you see believers, if I call daughter call now, the person will come out again. But you said two months ago or last year or ten years ago, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my heart, uh, cleanse my soul, cleanse my But you said that, why are you still coming out again? That's because you don't believe what has happened to you that time you said that statement. So there must be an agreement. The agreement must be that my heart believes and my mouth confesses. Are you getting what I'm saying? So even with salvation, salvation simply means I believe God and I confess it with my heart and with my mouth. So that shows for me to say I'm born again, I believe it. I am born again. I am born of God. Nothing can pluck me out of his hands. In John 10, he made us to understand. He says, no man can pluck me out of his hands. So when I am saved, no man can pluck me out of his hands. Hallelujah. That must be a confidence a believer must have. So that's why the next thing a believer needs when he gets born again is the local church. When you get somebody born again, when somebody tells you he's a Christian, the next thing he needs is a local church. Why? Because he has to understand what he received. If he doesn't understand what he received, he will not grow effectively. So, we said, confession is to say with your mouth what you believe in your heart. So, your words and your mouth agree. And that is how faith confession works. Your mouth and your heart agrees. So, it's not just... 
Say, you know, a lot of people say, just speak the right words. Don't say that. Some people say, when I'm, when I'm sick, don't say I'm sick. Say I'm strong. How many of you understand those statements? Eh? Don't say you're sick. Say you're strong. <laughs> the person that is saying he's strong, he doesn't believe he's really strong. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? The person say, I'm strong, I'm strong. And the person in his mind is still saying, hey, I'm going to die in this sickness. How many of you understand me to this point? Let me see your hand. So, does he believe what he is saying? So, the question is, it's not just about speaking the right words. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? It's not just about speaking the right words. It's about, do you believe what you are saying? What is the condition of your heart about what you are saying? Because God will honor his word. That's the truth. This, look at in 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. I'll wait for you. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. I don't intend to waste our time this evening. So, pardon me that I'm running fast. I'm trying, I'm going to run very fast this evening. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Are we there? It says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed. And therefore have I spoken. In us is we believe and what? Therefore we speak. So we believe. Are you seeing the connection now? We believe and therefore we what? We speak. So there must be a believing of what we are saying. It's not just, oh, I'm blessed. Do you believe you are really blessed? Are you getting what I'm saying? Oh, I'm not a failure. Do you really believe that you are not a failure? So you see people say, I have spoken, I've been speaking what you say I should be speaking. I've been speaking and speaking what you said I should speak. But yet there's no change. The reason there's no change is because, do you actually believe what you are saying? So the corresponding action of faith is your words. Tell your neighbor, say the corresponding action of faith. No, you're not sounding like you mean it. The is your words. The corresponding action of faith is your words. Your words. Look at in Numbers 14. Look at in Numbers 13. Numbers 13. Let's see Numbers 13. Numbers 14 too. Let's go to the book of Numbers. Numbers 13. Numbers 13. It says. Numbers 13. Let's, let's look at it. In Numbers 13, verse 1, are we there? Yes, if you are there, let me see your hands. Are you there? All right, cool. Numbers 13, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, and every tribe of thy fathers, and send a man, everyone, a ruler among you, among them. So now, this was Moses sending tribes. What's tribes? It just means a representative of each. It's like saying, a representative of the white, a representative of the black, a representative of the Hispanic, a representative of the Africans, a representative of the... Are you getting what I'm saying? So they picked tribes like that to go and spy the land. Now, don't forget, it was Moses who told them to go and spy it. Then he told them in verse 19. Look at what he says in verse 18 and 19. He says, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they may be strong or weak, few or many, in verse 18. In verse 19, now said, and what the land is that they are 
that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and the cities they be and they dwell therein, whether it be tents and stronghold. In verse 20, he repeated the same things, whether the land, whether be fat or lean, whether be wood thereon and not, whether be good or courage and the fruit of the land and they, and now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Now, it was Moses who told them to go and investigate, go and spy the lands and tell them what he wants them to come and report back. It's like I send you an assignment now and say, go and check that car for me. Check Maybe it's an auction car, right? I mean, if you buy cars in the auction, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like it's like you go to an auction to check a car. I remember going to an to, to auctions to check some cars some years back, and there's a way they do it. They will. I remember I've been to an auction place here, where they will just be calling the numbers, and then the cars will be going speedily and speedy. Then you don't even have time to check very well. You will have just bidded your own. <laughs> Be your own car, then you're not gonna be checking. So many times, me I go with mechanic, you do, uh, because you have to, you have to be very sure, so you can quickly tell them you don't want it again. <laughs> so now, imagine go and send you on that journey. You will come back to me and say, Ah, pastor, that car is not good though. The car can't drive properly. The car can't. Are so you get what I'm saying? This is what the car is all about. Uh, the car is not even what they said it was on the picture. Now, look at what they did. It was Moses who told them to go and spy the land and bring the reports. But look at what these guys did. In verse 27, look at in verse 27. When they came back, look at how they brought the reports. In verse 27, he says, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. Surely it flew with meek and honey. This is the fruit of it. So they brought it, like say, Pastor, see the change. See the receipt. We will look at it. The guys see we brought the fruit of it in verse twenty-eight. It now says, "Nevertheless, <laughs> the, pe the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great." Over we saw the children of Anak. If you have if you have listened to New Testament ministry of angels, we explain children of Anak. Children of Anak are giants like demigods. That is is like saying um, those mighty people. Those I'm mean, if you know what this incredible work. That's the best way to explain it. All those FT guys. So you'll be wondering how did they show up even in the times of the scripture? So you say, many times we watch movies, we think they are just they're just acting something for us. Those things are real. What does the Migos still? We we'll study it in scriptures though. Those things are real. They are, they are real things. Those are the people that that were oppositions to the gospel in the children of Israel. Those are those are the people they were killing. Because they needed to defeat them. When he says they went around the wall of Jericho several times, these are the, these are the guys they were dealing with. The children of Anak. And this way, just normal human being like you, trying to face those um, um, the me, the me human beings. So when you get into the Greek mythologies, you'll be seeing all these Zeus, uh, uh, Hercules, or whatever they call them. It's, those things are real. But we'll look at that properly in the context of Scripture, not today. Now, look at it in um, verse 29. It says, The Amalekites dwell in the land, and the south, and the Hethites, and Jebusites, and Amorites dwell in the mountains, and Canaanites. Canaanites dwell in the seas by the coast of Jordan. You know, how this Canaanite, Jebusite, Hethites, some, some people just read it. They just read it's something. We have to actually study who are the Canaanites, who are the Jebusites, who are the Hethites. That's what proper study of Scripture does to us. We'll study that in the, as we progress in Bible study, not today. Look at it in verse 30. It now says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses 
and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, these guys went there, despite the land, they saw that, oh wow, was there really a trouble with going there? Yes, there was. Yes, there was trouble with going to that land. Because, obviously, the children of Anak were there, people giants than them. But look at what Caleb said. He said, he's still the people before. He said, guys, we are well able to overcome this. So they didn't allow their fears. They didn't allow what they see somehow them. They didn't allow what they saw to overshadow them. Now, he now says in verse 31, and when they went up and said, we are not able to go against the people, those other guys, only Joshua and Caleb were the positive one out of the 12. Other guys said, see, it's a lie. We are not able to overcome them. Don't let them deceive you. We are not able, for they are stronger than we. In verse 31, you look at in verse 32. They now said, they brought up an evil report of the land, which they are searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that has eaten up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. In verse 33, they say, we saw the giants and the son of Anak, for which come into the giant, we were in our own as grasshoppers. <laughs> so we were in their sight. They said, see guys, don't forget, they were telling Moses, and they were, it's like saying everybody is here now, the old church members, about three million people, because those were, the, those were the people that Moses took away from Egypt, three million people were here, and they were telling Moses, so it's like say the, the 12 people stood there, just like the choirs were standing here a couple of minutes ago, just stood there and say, what do you see? We saw that the children of Anak, they were giants. You know, they, they started very good. They said, ah, the land is flowing with me, economy. In fact, this is the fruit. You know, everybody say, hey, we can move. Then I say, nevertheless. I say, when people say, but, <laughs> when people start saying, when people start using something, they say, but, you don't say, ah. Something is wrong somewhere. They say, nevertheless, the children. So Moses, it's like saying, all of them just line up like this. So Joshua just said, no, 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 no. Don't stop talking. We are well able to overcome the land. We are well able to possess it. They say, don't mind him, oh. Don't mind him. The children, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. The children of Adam will overshadow us. It's not possible for us to go to the promised land. Ah. Now, this way, the guys, they've seen the Red Sea experience. They've seen how God walked through with them with the Red Sea. They've seen, they are the same people who had manna in that same wilderness for 40 years. Do you know what it means that you should come out of your, this door now and there's food outside? I mean, there's not McDonald's or Happy Hour or Boga Kiyami, continental dish, three-course meal every day for 40 years. They saw the mighty move of God. They saw everything. And yet, they believed that now that we are about to enter the promised land, we are going to die. You know, that shouldn't cross their minds. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying now. That shouldn't cross their minds. They now said, see you, the children of Anak, they will destroy us. Look at it in chapter 14. After they told them that they would destroy them, look at it in chapter 14, verse 1. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. <laughs> you know, evil report. Let me tell you something. If I'm to, if I'm to call five people here now to stand and say, you know, just give, just give us something. Do you know that the person that says the evil thing the most is the one you pick. 
I don't even know what I'm talking about. The person that said the baddest thing the most is the one you pick. You see, all this one the pastor is just saying, faith confession works. That sister said, how many of you have been in that show before where you heard different things, then there was one negative one that stood in your ear. Let me, let me see your interview. <laughs> if you've been in that show before, they, they say, it's not, how many of you heard stories about New York before coming to New York? Like, New York is difficult. Have you ever heard that? They say there's no even parking space in New York. Ah, I thought there's no parking space in New York. What is here? They say there's no parking space. I, I remember when I went to Bronx. They say I, I drove around Bronx last year and they spoke so much about Bronx. They say, Bronx, you can't even, in fact, if you move like this, you, they can't even carry you. And now, packed. I moved. They did not carry me. They said, there's no parking space. I started seeing a lot of parking space. Free. No payment. I even asked somebody, can I park here? The person said, yeah. I said, is it free? The person said, ah, can't you see it's free parking? I said, I just needed to be sure. Because what they said is that Bronx, if you even go there, you can die. They said, the place will... I mean, if I've heard stories like that now, in Jesus, New York. You guys are... You guys are... You, say, New York is not the place for the faith that they... So you forget that. Some people are also living in the New York, but you will take that negative one, and that negative one will stay in your head. That was what happened with them. So that says they cried and wept all night. In verse two, and all the children of all the children of Israel murmured. Do you know what it means for three million people to cry all night? No. Do you know what it means for three million people to be gathered in a place in the wilderness? And all the, <laughs> I'm going to die. We are dying tomorrow. We are dying. Moses, you brought us out of Egypt to die. That's promised land. So we will not eventually attack. He says they cried and wept that night. In that sense, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation had said unto them, Would God that we had, had died in the land of Egypt? Land of Egypt, they were slaves. That Egypt that they were complaining about, they were slaves. They were using them for hard labor. But look at these ungrateful guys. They said, <laughs> they said, we prefer to have died with that slavery issue than we should be here after eating manna, free of charge. Water coming out of the rock. Once they complain like this, Moses will just stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. The thing will happen again. A miracle will happen. As they just say, hey, hey. Moses said, what happened? Another miracle. As they are about to do another one, Moses, another, another miracle. Before they, before they close their eyes and open it, Moses, why are we not sleeping where? The AC is not functioning properly. Another miracle. Moses, he's too cold. He's too cold. Hey, can't you provide Anita? Another miracle. Yet, these guys are now saying they rather die. <laughs> they rather die in Egypt. Egypt, where they are doing slavery. Now, now let me show you the slavery. This is why it's good to read the Bible. Go to Numbers 1. Go to Exodus 1. Go to Exodus 1. No Numbers. Exodus 1. Just put your hands in this place. Go to Exodus 1. So you see the kind of hard labor they were doing. Go to Exodus 1. Exodus 1. So you see the kind of hard labor they were doing and what they wanted to, what they preferred to have died in. 
Go to Exodus 1. You see that Bible, is, Bible study is actually fun. If only you can put your mind to it. It's actually a very interesting study. All right, are you there? Numbers 1. You is there? Let me see your head. You're there? All right, cool. Numbers 1. Let's go. Look at him. Exodus, sorry. Exodus 1, sorry. Sorry. I'm trying to move fast. My time is running. Exodus 1. Exodus 1. Let's see in verse, um, let's see from verse, verse 10. Or let's see from verse 8. Let's start from verse 8. Exodus 1, verse 8. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. He says, come, let us deal wisely with them. Don't forget, who were these children of Israel? They were those guys who left their father's house, Jacob's sons, who left their father's house to, the, to, to Egypt because they were, they were in famine. I'm not sure if you remember that story. They were in famine, so they didn't go back. They stayed, they multiplied years as passed and passed and passed. So it's now like they now have like a whole community, just like we can say Africans in diaspora. Does it make sense to you guys? Uh-huh. So now, it now says, and it came to pass that they followed any word, they joined the enemy's fight against us so that we can get them out of the land. Look at it in verse 11, very key. Therefore, they did set them over the taxmasters to afflict them. See, you see, when they say afflict them, this is what they were doing to them. Afflict them means they didn't give them a breathing room, they were in punishment. It says they afflicted them with burdens. They built for Pharaoh treasure cities, pine tombs, Ramses. So they were building things. They became... So you see, people say till today, Egypt is one of the most developed places. Is this slave... Is these guys that did it? Look at it in verse 12. And the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. So you see, they afflicted them. Look at it in verse 13. It says, And Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. Have you seen that? These guys went through hell. Look at it in verse 14. And they made their lives bitter. With hard bondage, in mortar, and in bricks, and in all manner of service in the field, and all their service wherein they were served was in rigor. Ah, guys, tell me, <laughs> would you not rather be in the wilderness than this one? How many of you, if you prefer wilderness, let me see your head. <laughs> if you prefer wilderness, guys, now, if you prefer wilderness experience, where you can just cry and say, Moses. <laughs> I, I want AC. But you just say, pillar of cloud, for, overshadow them. Moses, have you brought us to die again? This and that. Moses will just part Red Sea. No, they will just see manners. Say, Moses, have you brought us out of this place so that we'll be hungry? They were not eating, no. Did you see, did you see, did you see, did you see this guy? Did you just see what we read? They were in affliction. They were not eating. They said, No. We can't die here. Moses will provide food. After a while, they do not have water. You know, I'd rather eat than drink water. I don't know you. <laughs> you are probably like, yeah, I health people. Me, I'd rather eat. If they say there's no water, no, no problem. Just give me food. I will use my speed too. <laughs> I was just joking. <laughs> But after a while, they didn't see water. They said, Moses, have you brought us out so that we will not drink water? Moses commanded water to come out from the rock. And yet, now they are about to go into the the promised land. They did not believe again. 
Since they cried, go back to that Numbers 14. They cried all night. They say, wherefore, in verse 3, had the Lord brought us of this land to fall by the sword that the house of the children we pray, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Eh? Return to Egypt. After how many years? No, you know, it's not yesterday, it's not, it's not last week they left, though. This is numbers. This has taken about 400 years or 40 years. This is a, it's been a lot of time historically. And yet they are still thinking about Egypt. Egypt! And you know, I just sense in my heart to say this to some of you. Some of you don't like growth. You know, ramifications. You prefer old cycles, old cycles. Let it just be the same way. Ha! Huh. No, you must prefer growth. Oh. Growth is, means you won't do what you were doing th- three years ago. Are you getting what I'm saying? It means things will change. I remember somebody leaving a church where we were pastoring then some years ago, saying, ah, because the church wasn't doing the same thing we were doing when we started. Ah. So, should we be doing what we were doing when we were in the garage or in the city room? At this stage, after three years, you know, some people don't like growth. And that's devilish. You must like increase, you must like growth, you must like multiplication. So, and that thing will come with change, involvement. And are you getting what I'm saying? That's, how, that's totally on my sermon this evening. So, go back to that Numbers 14. Then in verse, look at in verse, um, look at in verse 28, verse 27. If you, I would, I would prefer you read this Numbers 14 on your own. Numbers 13 and Numbers 14, you understand the story properly. But look at in verse um, 26 and 27. It says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil generation which murmur against me? I have heard their murmurings which they murmur against me. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. He now says, look at what he says in verse 29. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. And all the numbered of you, according to the whole numbers, 20 years old, how have murmured against me, therefore they died. In verse 42, in verse 32, he says, and for you, your carcasses, all of them shall fall in the wilderness. All of them perished because of what they said. But did Joshua and Caleb progress to the promised land? Did they do it? Did they do it, guys? They did. Because they said and they believed it that we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to possess that land. So, was there really challenges? Yes, there was. Go to the book of Joshua. You will see the kind of battles they fought. The kind of wars they fought. Because what they saw was true. But they chose not to believe it. How much for understanding me to this point? Let me see your hands. All right. So faith will say with your mouth what you believe in your heart. See, no matter the amount of scripture you know, you know we say, oh, the, you know some people, some people brought up a theory. How many scriptures do you, can you, can, how many, how, what scripture are you hanging on for that situation? See, no matter the amount of scripture you hang on, if you don't believe in the scripture and in the words, nothing will work. Are you getting what I'm saying? You say, what, am I, what scripture are you holding on? You are going through that problem. Hold on to a scripture. I know. Do you believe the scripture? So you rise and fall at the level of your confession. 
And remember, we said you don't have a foot problem, right? A man is born with feet. A, born, a, man born, a man born again is born of faith. So you will rise and fall at the level of your confession. So we said, how does faith confession work? Or why does it work? Number one, we said, it's, it's, it's a law. It's a motion. It's set the motion of, it's a law. You will have whatsoever you say. A man is a product of his words. And I told you, I said, the very minute you said you couldn't, yes, you couldn't. The very minute you said you will fail, that's the day you started failing. The very minute you said you were going to, you were going to die, death just started knocking. The very minute you said, oh, I'm depressed, that is where you are about to be finished. Because, see, see, look at, look at something. Now, look at it. Remember in the course of this series, we said, don't deny the facts. How many of you remember that? We said, don't deny the facts. Look at it. Does it mean that the children of Anak were not there? They were there, right? Does it mean that those giants were not, those giants can actually kill them, right? But look at this. What did Joshua and Caleb decide to see? They decided to see themselves overcoming them. And did they eventually do? Yes, they did. Go and read the book of Joshua. They did. They overcame them. They fought and they possessed the land. That's why you will keep seeing in the, in the scripture. That's where those statements came from in the scripture. Wherever the soul of my foot shall step upon, I take for a possession. That was why it came from. Because they knew they were going to possess the land. So, can you be looking at failure like this in your eyes? Yes, you can. But what do you choose to see? The failure? No, sir. The failure? No, sir. No. You will choose to see God's word over it. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, we said, how does faith confession work? It's a law. You will have whatsoever you say. Mark 11, 23, 24. You will have whatsoever you say. Matthew 21, 22. He says, have faith in God and believe that whatever you say, it shall come to pass. It's a law. It's a law. We say number two. He says, when our faith confession work, we say number two. He says, it keeps the answer of our prayers before us. I don't remember that. He says, it keeps the answer of our prayers before us. We said, when I'm in fear, it means I anticipate evil. That means fear, believe of the devil. But when you are in faith, you believe the goodness of God. You can't be in fear and faith at the same time. It's not possible. You have to choose one. You, the same way you can't look up and down at the same time. You have to be either in fear or either in faith, but rather be in faith. Because there is nothing my fear will do. It will rather propel more dangers. That's why you see that some people, how many of you have been a pastor for a while? And I can tell you, anytime I'm counseling people or something, the very minute they start saying, ah, pastor, I'm going through too much trouble. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I tell them, quickly change, that, change what you said. Because the very minute they stay long in that statement, their whole life keeps crumbling down. It not look like, I've done everything. It's not working. It's because you didn't want it to work. You stayed in fear. I don't know if I met people like that. They'll just be complaining. All their life is just complaining. Nothing good has ever happened to them. I don't know if I met people like that. I have I've met thousands of people like that. They'll just say, Pastor, hey, this and that, help me. This and that, hey, I'm going through this. I'll say, calm down. They say, no, you don't understand. I'll say, calm down. This and that. I'll just be looking at them like this. I'll say, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's. They say, no, prayer does not even work again. Ah, okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Look, bye. What do you mean prayer does not work? 
then their whole life comes crumbling down. What you should have dealt with, you stayed in fear. There is nothing fear will do. Fear has never worked the power of God. Fear has never produced any results. You've been in that fear. It has never done anything good. Rather, it projects the enemies more at you. Rather, it commands more demons to come and torment you. Rather, it does more evil. Fear has never done anything good. The very minute you are in fear, you are anticipating evil. Why do you think? Even people say, I don't know. People say, um, there's one, don't fear in the scripture for 365 days of your life. <laughs> because it's a big thing. You can't be in fear and faith at the same time. You rather choose faith and choose God's word. You say, oh, I'm just scared of tomorrow. Why not instead of saying I'm just scared of tomorrow, why not register using your faith for the tomorrow? But do you know that? If you stay long in that, oh, I'm just scared of tomorrow, that tomorrow will come and an evil will happen. But rather, instead of saying, I'm just scared of tomorrow, rather say, my tomorrow will be okay. Things are moving well for me. Everything are working in the right directions. Lives are falling down to me in pleasant places. I'm prosperous. My tomorrow is blessed. My tomorrow is okay. My tomorrow is advancing. My tomorrow I'm fruitful. How about that? No, how about that? That staying in the fear and just anticipating the evil and just say, I'm just finished. Ah, there's nothing. They just say, there's nothing. Nothing good can happen. Ah. That's not how to do it. We also said, we said number one is a law, right? We said number two, it sets the answers of our prayers before us. We said number three, we said angels respond to our words. We are in a life surrounded with ministry and the activities of the spirit. You are surrounded, you are in the spirit simply means you are surrounded with demons. You are also surrounded with angels. So your words are law. Proverbs 18, it says your life and death is in the power of the tongue. So you choose the one you want. So, but when you speak God's word, you release the activities of angels around you. Because angels respond to what? We studied this last Sunday. You can get lay your hands on the material. We, we said angels respond to words. They do. The more of God's word you speak, all those things you say, hey, I, I, just, I just narrowly escaped the accident. It was an angel. The minister protection, Psalm 91. He says they would protect you even though you dash your foot against the stone. Are you getting what I'm saying? He says that dwelleth in sickly place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He will say of the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. By God in whom will I serve. Surely he shall deliver you from the noisome pestilence. He will deliver you from it. That's the work of the ministry of angels. But you see, if you don't use your words, you just find out how you have greatly feared like Job. You know, Job said in his book, he said, all I have greatly feared has come upon me. He said it. He said, all I have greatly feared. He, he feared so much to do. Some people now say it's God that did something to Job. No. Job said it at the end of his book in, in Job 42. He said, oh, I believe wrong. All I thought about God was rumors. He said it in his book. He said, all I have greatly feared has come upon him. So he was fearing that he will not die. He was saying, so he will wake up every morning and be offering sacrifices for his children. Because he was in fear. And holy greatly fear came on him. Fear has never. But what everybody wants to go, people, Christians, what they want to go here in the book of Job is how God used to do evil for them. Why not pick how Job was in fear? 
Job was in fear and he said with his word that all I have greatly feared came upon me. He will wake up every morning, offer sacrifices for all his children, for his wife, for everybody. He says so that it may be that they may, they may sin today and everything. So he's in, he was in perpetual fear. And it came upon him. But rather than using your fear, why not use your faith? Hallelujah. Why not use your faith? So number four now, as we gradually close this series. How does faith confession work? It is our seeds are sown in the kingdom. How seeds are sown in the kingdom of God. That's how seed. When I sow a corn, what would I get? I would get a corn, right? When I sow maize, um, um, grape, what would I get? Grapes. Can I sow grape and get apple? Huh? No, you can't. It is how words are sown in the kingdom. Because faith confession is to sow seeds. It is via your words that seeds are sown in the kingdom. Via your words. Matthew 17 verse 20, Jesus taught faith as seed. Faith as seed. So the very essence of seed is to be sown. I'm just trying to, to, to be fast because of my time. Look at Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Are you there? Galatians 6. Let's start from verse 7. Galatians 6. It says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall what? That shall he also what? Reap. In verse 8, He that soweth to his flesh shall what? Shall reap, shall reap correction. And he that soweth to the spirit shall what? Of the spirit what? Reap everlasting life. In that says in verse 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to reap the words I've been sowing. In due season. Look at Mark 4 verse 26. Mark 4 26. Mark 4 26. Mark 4 verse 26. Mark 4 verse 26. Look at what he says. He says, so. And he says, so is the kingdom of God. If a man casts seeds into the ground and should sleep and rise at night and the day and the seed should bring and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, the ear, and after the full corn in the ear. So he likened the kingdom of God into a seed. Because it is the principle of seed that when I sow, when I cast my seed, when I use my faith confession, I'm sowing seeds. You can't plant doubt and see victory in God's word. No. Mm-mm. You can't plant fear. All you are hearing, all you are reading, all you are seeing is things that are contrary to God's word and you expect to see victory. It's not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. I'm praying for many of you that you, will not, you won't die before you understand. 
it is a principle of sowing and reaping. In the work of faith, there is always a due season. What have you been sowing into your life? That's the question tonight. What have you been sowing into your life? Mark 4 verse 26. Because you are not in control of the law of sowing and reaping. No. You are not in the control. The only thing you are in control of is what you sow. You don't know how it will grow. You just shall come back and see that you water something. You just see that the thing has grown into a big tree. So what are you sowing into your life? Because whatsoever you sow will reproduce itself. It took words to get into the kingdom of God. We studied that in Romans 10, right? Romans 10, and we said that with the, ma- with the heart, man believeth, with the mat, right? Confession is made. You see, so that means we spoke and we got saved, right? All right. So it took words to get into the kingdom of God. So it's a law you can control. It's not a law you can control because you don't determine the consequence of how you live your life. You determine the harvest. God is not mocked. The law is not in your control. What happens to what you have sown is not in your control. When you sow doubt and unbelief, you don't determine how far it will take you. If you sow doubt and unbelief, there is a day you will need healing. Because you are still in, you are still in this mortal body. Imagine a believer now already saying, I don't believe in the power of God. I don't believe in healing. You are going to fall sick one day. And if you can fall sick, that medical science might not be able to treat you. That the only thing you will believe that can only work is power of God. But you have already used your word to say, I don't believe in power of God. Oh, ha! Men and brethren. You don't do that. It's a law. You are sowing seeds. Words are the way we sow seed in the kingdom. You know, in the natural world, we go and plant, we dig, right? We dig the soil, the farmers do all of those things. I, I, I do some farming business so I can explain to you all of those, how it works. You, you dig, you do all of those things. It can take months. There's fertilization stage. There's everything. In fact, there's even time when the weeds, if rain go and fall in all unexpected time, it can destroy certain things. And it can make you lose a lot of your money. I remember I did one, one of those farming business uh, last year like that. And they just told, they just come and say, ah, there's, um, there's, there's something that just happened to the farmer. Ah, the crop, everything has died. Eh? What is that? Let's use power of God, though. <laughs> millions of millions of money. He said, die, die where? You better let it resurrect. <laughs> because let me tell you, words are seeds. Words are seeds. Words are where you sow seed in the kingdom. I plant my seed by what I say. As a Christian, as a born again man. I plant my seed by what I say. Speaking is to plant. When you start out saying, ah, I know my tomorrow will be better. I know my tomorrow will be prosperous. I'm reaching the nations of the world. My voice will be heard all over the nations of the world. I've been saying this for years. And let me tell you, it's a seed. It's a seed. Remember, I, 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 remember, I, I remember there was one time we were teaching years ago. We're in the corridor. And somebody asked me, why, why are you recording this? I said, because it's beyond you. I said, I know nations will pick that message and hear it. And it is happening. Because words are seeds. 
Words are seeds. Faith grows. So when I plant, it will grow. Reaping is when what I have spoken and and what I have planted has grown. That's when I reap. But you see, you know what Paul told us in that Galatians? He said, let us not faint. He now said, because we will reap in due season. Now that you are saying God's word, you are saying, ha, my body is okay and you are not seeing it. Paul told us there is a due season. Hallelujah. The due season can mean it can take years and it might not. But I would rather stay in faith than use doubt anytime. Never. I would rather stay in faith than use fear because fear is the antics of the devil. Fear, doubt, unbelief, that is his realm. And he wants you to fall in that trap. I will never fall there. I will use my faith all the time. Because I know I can never be in the wrong. I know I'm planting seeds. I remember I will never forget. When I was in high school, they told us something to do. They said, when we wake up every morning, we should look at the mirror and speak to ourselves. I say, you, Hayomide, you are, going to be pro- you are going to be prosperous. You are going to be successful. You are going to be this. Say all of those things. And they gave us those words. Do you know? Those things I said in high school has come to pass. I didn't know how it was going to happen. But as I look back, I knew it has already happened. So you know what now I'm doing? I'm already speaking what I want to see in the next 20 years. I'm already calling things that be not as though they were. You know, he says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, considering not his body dead. He now says, he called things that be not as though he were. So when God told him he will be the father of all nations, he couldn't see it. But you know what he did? He kept saying this. The Lord has said, I'll be the father of all nations. I'll be the father of all nations. And you know what? A 75-year-old woman gave birth. And that's Sarah. How would you explain it? We now say till today, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know that? That was the twelve tribe. That was what better the twelve tribe of Israel. Did he eventually become the father of all nations? Yes, he did. Because he, he, he stayed. Paul told us, he says, he staggered not at the promise of God. See, your words are seeds. What you want to see tomorrow. You see, a lot of believers are so lazy to use their words. They rather just and play a movie just to make them calm down. Ha! Why not talk? Why not talk? You know, talking is cheap. You gist. You stay on phone call. You talk. You do. Why not just use it positively? Instead of mumbling. Instead of complaining and weeping all night like the children of Israel. Why not just say, well, things are working together for my good. Things are working together for my good. Things are working together for my good. You say, I'm confused. You just say, I'm confused all the time. That's why you have never made the right decision. Why not say, I'm never confused. I walk in the light of life. I walk in the light of life. I am never confused. I tell myself all the time. You know why I tell myself, I'm a pastor. I will have to make decisions for the church, make decisions for people. People will come to me every time. So I tell myself, I am never confused. So when people come to me, they can easily pick a wisdom. I am never confused. I am never confused. I know what to do. I know how to do. I know where to do. You know, you say those things to yourself, you will reap it. Hallelujah. You will reap it. You will reap it. Because, see, some, of, some believers believe more in doctors than even their words, than the power of God. See, the doctor will tell them, take this medication 1 p.m. 12.59, they've taken it. 
I'm telling you. I remember when I used to be a sickler then, years ago. I used to be very sick. So sick that I heard my parents arguing that, ah, I'm not the one that gave birth to this child. I'm not the one that gave birth to this child. I saw the, I literally saw the, they said, let's go and do DNA tests. Nobody in my family is this sick. Nobody in my own family is this sick. Uh, so where did you get the child? I don't, ah, hey. I, I thought, is it really me they are really arguing about? Because every month I was literally on medications. I, I could not live without medications. I became that. So one day, I was rushed out of school to the hospital. I saw people die in my very presence. Ah, So one guy has been in the hospital two weeks before I came. He has not gotten better. Ah, So as somebody dies, that night I was just awake. I was pressing my phone, all of those things, years ago. As somebody died, as, as we hear a noise, it may be in another room, you just say, ah, they just gave birth. Ah, I say, how do you know? He said, don't, he said, watch the sound very well. I, I said, so you have been, you have so observant, you have been here so long that you have observed the death. <laughs> so we heard another sound. It, was, it, it happened in the space of 30 minutes. We heard say, ah, somebody is dead. I said, ah, how do you know? <laughs> he said, ah, experience, I'll be here. <laughs> we heard another, I felt like God was teaching me, I can't, this thing I'm saying to you, I just felt like God was teaching me something that day. <laughs> you. I just, we heard another sound. We had like four sounds that day, and the guy explained everything for me, and he was correct. Ah, I dropped my phone. Off. I said, Lord, my body begins to work properly now. I can't stay here and become, give me the suggestions of who is dying, who is alive, who is out. And that was it. I spoke to my body that day. I said, Today, sickness ends. Today, my mother used to call me and say, ah, You don't really use drug again. You know his medication again. Well, as you say, I can't remember. See, he, you, how did you do it? I said, well, <laughs> how faith confession works. Hallelujah. You use your words. You are planting seeds. Do you know that if probably I have not, maybe if I did not speak God's word over my body that day, maybe I might have died. Maybe there won't be a service like this tonight. Because the devil always plays a long game. Maybe, that, this was how many years ago, maybe if I didn't use my words to say, oh, sickness ends in my body, maybe I would have just been sick. I remember there was one time I was preparing for a service. I, that summer, I've not preached it to today. I prepared overnight. I prepared, prayed, ready. I just couldn't go to church the next morning. Ha! Because I was sick. So sick. That it's like saying, service held, Yupuna came to my house to come and greet me. Pastor, service was so glorious. I was now wondering, how did he get glorious when I was not there? The summer I was supposed to make it that I was supposed to make it glorious. I have not preached it. They said, ah, you missed oh, you missed the service. Ah, me. The pastor, I missed the service. Ah. That was the day I told myself, ah, never. Ah, never. Sickness will not take me. Sickness will not have me. And since that day, I hate sickness like I hate the devil. I hate sickness like I hate the devil. Because, see, eh, your words are seeds. You plant your words. See, you will likely produce. See, it's just like, I, I, I wrote this down for some of you. And I, I, I hope I have your attention. See, eh, some of you that came from a house where it seemed like, there's domestic issues, maybe violence, your parent violence, you saw your separation of your parent, everything. See, 
As I was preparing for this, I wrote this down. I wrote it in the course of the week. I was just preparing for this size and I knew I needed to say this. See, you will likely produce that same thing you saw your parents do if you did not deal with it now. Let me tell you, man is a product of influence. If you thought you, 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 you are not an angry person, <laughs> it's a lie. Move with an angry person, you will know you are angry. You will, it will come out. So if you came out from homes that probably are broken, it's not your fault, obviously. It's not. Maybe they are broken, your parents separated, you saw the message, you saw things not moving well. See, you will likely, even, even research says it, you will likely reproduce the same thing. You know why? Because that is all you saw about family growing up. You saw violence, you saw anger, you saw, you, you saw how your father can just easily be angry and slap you. You, you will almost, I beg you, see, when I'm talking like this, I'm, I'm not just teaching. I need you to pay attention. So, you will likely produce the same thing. But let me tell you, start now. When I mean now, I mean today by dealing with it, with your words. And say, I will not. You know that thing. You know what you saw growing up. You know the pictures. In fact, it still shows up in your, it's like a deja vu. You just remember it. Maybe you watched a movie, you will just remember it. Start dealing with it with your words. And say, my family is blessed. My children are blessed. My, my home is peaceful. I will not marry the wrong person. Or even if you are married, you say, my home. How about married people say, my, our home is blessed. There is, no, there, is, there is no confusion in this home. There is always peace in this house. You know, you can start seeing it now. In my family, in my marriage, within my children, there is peace. There is no violence. I'll, I'll share this with you. I believe I can talk to you, right? See, there was something that happened with my family, my parents' family. And they said something. They said, their siblings are not related. They are not close. That this and that and that. That that they don't want that same repeat to happen in our own family. That they want their siblings to be very close. They want... So I know what happened. When I was much younger, I knew the devil was coming again. I hated my siblings. I did. I hated my sister. I just didn't like her. For no reason. And my mother kept saying that thing. She said, Ha! Ah, this was the same thing that happened in my family. Because she came from a royal family, polygamous family, all of them. I don't even know my cousins. I don't. People I call cousins today are distance. People which I call, which are, you are my cousin. You know, just look at us and say, you are my cousin. I don't know my cousins. I don't, both sides, I don't. Now, my mother said that thing. And my parents, my, both of them said it. When we say, ha! Ah, that same thing that happened, we don't want it to happen with our children. We don't want it to happen. But as we grew up, they started seeing that same thing happen again. Such that me and my siblings, me and my siblings, we fight. We hated each other. But as I came into the ministry, as I grew up in the gospel, ah, I knew the devil was doing something. Intentionally, when I mean intentionally, intentionally, I dealt with it. Intentionally, I dealt with it. When I mean intentionally, I mean intentionally. I said, no, what happened with my own parents' family will not be a repeat in my own, in my own family. It won't be a repeat. 
I'm going to use my words to deal with this. And I started speaking. Some of you, you are seeing that same thing. Maybe your siblings, you are not close, this and that and that. It's a cycle coming back again. You got to deal with it with your words. I told myself, I said, my sister will do ministry with me everywhere. All my sisters, they are in the ministry today. Yes, because I told myself that I am not going to repeat that same thing. And I use my words. You find violence. You see all of those things. You'll be wondering, why is this happening to you? It's actually the devil playing a long game. Why is, okay, my family this, my this and that. And you now say, you will not say, oh, it will not happen to me. It's not just, oh, it will not happen to me. Use your words. Deal with this. Don't allow the devil have the last laugh. Deal with this with your words. Are you hearing what I'm saying, brethren? Yes, Am I talking to somebody yes, here? Deal with it with your words. Faith will grow out of unyielding confession. Words are, your words form the boundaries of your life. It does. I'm closing now. I'm closing. Your words found the boundaries of your life. It does. It does form the boundaries of your life. That thing you struggled with, go and check it. It's probably a cycle. Or you are struggling with, it's probably a cycle. Deal with it now. That feeling, oh, you just cannot stay consistent. You just cannot stay faithful. You just cannot do this. That's speaking. Say, no, this ends with me. This ends with me. I just told you my own story. These are not stories I should tell you. These are personal stories. I hated my siblings when I was young. I, for no reason. It's not as if they offend you or something. I just did not like them. Today is now my mom that is telling me, ha, ah, thank you for making sure that all your siblings are doing this and that. I said, ah, it's, it's a deliberacy I made. I am not going to see a repeat of what they said happened with their own family. So now, and this can cut across any area of your life. I only brought this example because I knew the Spirit of God will help me bring this example. But you see, you can stretch it and say, this thing I'm seeing with my own life, I don't want it. Maybe you saw it with your dad. You saw it with your mom. You can just say, I don't want this. I will deal with it. And how do you deal with it? Not deliverance service. Oh. Your words. Keep planting seeds. Keep planting seeds. It will grow. What you are saying will grow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What you are saying, it will grow. How about saying, I don't know how to fight with people. I am not a violent person. I am not always angry. I am saying it all the time. I have peace. I make peace with people all the time. Because see, you rise and fall with the level of your words. And you see, you will have whatsoever you say. You do. In life, things happen by chance or happenstance. That's why, don't say whatever we be, we be. Don't say it all. Don't use your words to say whatever we be, we be. Don't say whatever we be, we be. Don't say it. Because a lot of people just live their life with Q, Sarah, Sarah. Whatever we be, we be. Whatever we be, we just be. No. You will rise and fall at the level of your words. In life, things happen by chance or happenstance. But you see, you can determine what will happen with your life. You can. You can. Via your words.
because I will always have whatever I say. It's a law. You have whatever you say. I said it again. You will rise and fall to the degree of your confession. That's what you do. See, faith confession takes you out of vict- defeat to victory. Faith confession takes you out of defeat to victory. Sometimes things go wrong. But you see, faith-filled words will defeat everything. You can come out of a dead end via your words. You see a dead end. It's not saying, ah, it's finished. No. You use your words. You know, Peter was sinking. Jesus told Peter to come on water. He says, Master, if it be you, bid me come. And Peter walked on water. But guess what happened? As he was walking, he started doubting. What happened? He now started sinking. And he cried for help. You know, you could see opposition, stumbling blocks, but you can stand up from it again with your words. Oftentimes, people like to say neutral words, but you see, faith-filled words are definite. The woman with the issue of blood, she kept saying, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made though. She kept saying, she kept saying it, she kept saying it, she kept saying it. And it happened. Faith-filled words determine the destination you go. It does. It does. Some will start out in the spirit and end up in the flesh. Just like Peter started out in faith, end up in doubt. But you see, faith-filled words will bring harvest when they are sown. So what are you saying? That's the question. What are you saying? Because words are like servants. You send them on an errand. You send your word on a mission. Matthew 8 the centurion servant he said master speak your word he said you don't have to follow me he says, speak your word and I know that he says I'm a man under authority I say to one go and he go it I say to one come and he comment he now says because he knows the import of words and the bible says that very hour when Jesus spoke the word the servant was at home and that instant he was healed why? Because I can send my word on a mission. So I can send my words into 2050. How about that? I can send my words into 2040. I can send my words into my family, into my future home. You know, I can send my words into my children's life. Right? Right, guys? I can. I can send my words into my lineage as everyone who will come from this Benson family this is, this is what will be for us same way demonic people curses people and use their you know words is also words they used to curse people only that it doesn't have an effect on the believer we can also use words to bless and it also has a strong effect on the believer so I can send my words to my future. I can send my words into my tomorrow. Can we send our words into Wednesday? Can we send our words into Tuesday? Into Monday? Into Saturday? Ah, yeah. Your words travel. They are seeds. 
So can we see the harvest? Oh yeah, we can. Because I will always have whatever I say. So you send your words as servant. Faith-filled world will take you out of defeat into victory. You are depressed. You can come out of it with your words. You are having anxiety. You can come out of it with your words. You are sick. You can come out of Just like I did years ago. I came out of sickness with my words. I did. I used to be a sickler. I mean a sickler. I came out of it with my words. Nobody prayed for me. I didn't, I didn't go through any healing line. It was on that hospital bed. I will never forget the place. General Hospital on those things. I will never forget it. I was admitted there and I spoke up. And that was it. It's been how many years now? I have not had the cause to be admitted again. And I will never have. Because I can come out of it with my words. So I put my thoughts into my words. I put my thoughts. I know what I'm saying. I believe what I'm saying. And I speak it out. Remember we said faith, your words, and your belief must agree, right? And your heart, they agree. So I don't expect an harvest to come tomorrow morning, but it will come. Right? When I'm speaking was it to 2040, it might not come tomorrow morning, but you know it will definitely come. Oh yeah. So what have you been sowing? As we end this series, how faith confession works. Uh, I mean, we'll just put a peg on this now. We'll pick it up from here next year. Because there's so much I, I still really want to talk about, but we've got to prepare for, we've got to do other things. But you see, the reason you are where you are today, the reason you are where you are today, or what you do today, is as a result of what you have spoken, or what has been said. Can always change it so that means if you don't like the frequency of the way your life is going you can use your words to come out of it that's how it works instead of saying i'm sanguine i'm melancholy i'm libra i'm, I'm spices i'm cancer why not say i'm the born of god so that shows you are struggling with addition you are struggling with sin how about waking up every morning saying sin shall no longer have dominion over me you know, that's what Romans 6 told us. It says, sin shall not have dominion over me. Because I'm not under the law, but under the spirit. You are struggling with different things. Maybe I have one addition on the other one. Flesh it like this. Well, I'm born of God. I'm, I'm righteous. I'm not a sinner. You will come out of it. Say, I'm free from this addiction. You wake up every morning, every evening, every day. Say, I'm free from this addiction. I'm free from this issue out of it. You won't know how, but your words <laughs> will always produce seeds. You know, as a married person or you're planning to get married, you know, you can start speaking over your family. Say, our home is peaceful. Our children's lives are blessed. Everything will fall in pleasant places for us. You know, you're about to get a job, you're looking for a job. I'm about saying, I'll get a good job get a high paying job, a job that will not take me off the ministry things like that speak your words, put your words in the right direction to come out to work well, so what are you planting, let's be on our feet this morning this evening sorry what are you planting, what are you sowing I will use our words this evening let's sow words 
I hope I'm able to bless you this evening. So words into this week, into your future, into your family. Let's start now by praying for ourselves. You know, negative words. You know, I told you in the course of this series, I said, some of you say, men has come. Men are this. Women are terrible. See, the more you keep saying those things, the more you orchestrate terrible women around your life that you will marry and you will not see the real terrible. The more you keep saying, men are scam. Men are scum. All men are not the same. This and that. That's the more you orchestrate those kind of men you have sent and you will not marry them and you will not be saying I said it. Men are this way. Let's cast down negative words we have spoken over our lives. Let's pray. He says casting down imaginations and every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of Jesus. Say every negative word I have spoken over my life, over my family, I bring them down. Every negative word I have spoken over my life, over my family, over my future, over my body, over my health, I bring it down. Let's open our mouth and pray this evening. Pray for your life. You've spoken so much negative words. Now cast them down. Cast them down. You said you couldn't do it. Now you are struggling. I cast it down now. You said things are always difficult for you. You said you are never lucky. Cast it down now. Say I'm always blessed them down. Negative words over your family, over your children, over your life. See, listen. Hallelujah. Nothing. Listen to me, guys. Everybody look at me. Nothing is neutral. The kind of people you meet, the kind of people you talk to, the way your life is orchestrated are a function of words. Nothing happens on its own. That thing that people tell you and say, life is spiritual. Yes, it is. You said men has come. That's why you have never met the right man before. You said women are terrible. That's why you keep jumping from one relationship to another. You have never met the right woman. You said, ah, can, can there be two people who will live together and not fight? That's why you are fighting in your marriage. You say, can there be student kids who will never be stubborn? That's why you have kids and they are, they are giving you a dick. Nothing is neutral. You keep saying, I'm never unlucky. I'm just always unlucky. You see why you are, you see why nothing has worked well for you. You just keep saying, I don't know how to go. I'm just tired. I'm just depressed. I'm just sad. That is exactly why things are that way for you. You didn't know when you said it. Is, you said it harmlessly. But you see, because words are seed, <laughs> he caught up with you. I don't know about you, but I want a better life for myself. I want a good life. I want a good future. So I'd rather sow the right words. So let's pray again. You know what we are praying about? Let me make you understand. We are casting down all the negative words we have spoken over our future. All the negative words we have spoken over our life. Over our head. You say, as I just sleep like this, I will just always have a dick. That is why you are, that migraine has never gone. As I close my eyes, this is how I am. You don't say, this is how I am. Hey, see, the truth of the matter is, you are just having a conversation and you are just trying to be proud. This is how I am. This is how I am. You now find yourself reacting the way you are. The way you said you are. You say, this is how I am. This is how I am. No, you don't. Know, see, let me tell you. You see, you can burn a child today and you can model the life the child will go. Because the child doesn't know anything. Right? 
That is how it is with our lives. We are the ones that have channeled it the way it is today. All in the name of this is how I am. This is how I am. You can't change me. You can't do this. Ah. No, brethren. I rather get progress in my life. I rather live the best kind of life. I live the God kind of life. So let's cast down imaginations. Words, negative words. Let's do that this evening. Open your mouth. These are not times to look around. Let's pray. Command all the negative words that are spoken over your life, your health, your body, your finances. You say you are always broke. That's why you don't have money. Negative words. Command them to be cast down. What you have said over my future, over my future, over my family, over my health, over my body, over my ministry. Plant words. Evil words, I command them to come down by the power in the name of Jesus. Mando Sephrakaya. Pray, lift your voice. Command negative words to come down. Those words will not have effect over your life. They will not have effect over your life anymore. They will not have effect over your life, over your ministry, over your health, over your body, over your future. They will not have effect. Those demonic words, we cast them down. We cast them down. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we cast them down negative utterances, words you said over your body, your health, your finances, I cast them down now in the name of Jesus. They will not have effect over you again. In the name of Jesus. They will not have effect over you again. In the name of Jesus. You said negative words over your health, over your mental health. I cast them down now. In the name of Jesus. You've spoken over your finances, your future, harmlessly. They will never come into fruition. In the name of Jesus. From today onward, it's good words. It's good things. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We honor you. We thank you. How about you speak positive words now? Faith-filled words, not positive. Faith-filled words over your life, your family, your week. Speak it over your week. God within. Good care. Keep speaking, keep speaking, keep speaking. Over this week. Command this week fruitful. Command this week. You know, plant words over your ministry. Say you are, your steps are orchestrated to the right people. Making advancements. My mental health is, is okay this week. God will say, Good care of me. God will say, Oh, we bless you, Jesus. You know, I speak to your week and I say, It's blessed, fruitful, increasing, multiplying. Steps orchestrated to the right places in the name of Jesus. I speak to your future, is blessed, is protected. You know, you are preserved from wicked and unreasonable wealth. 
accident won't have your life. Deaths, untimely deaths won't have any of you. In the name of Jesus. You, that you spoke yourself into depression, I command it to come out now. Thank you, Lord. It's gone. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Just thinking tonight.